The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. I can't tell... If I'm just excited to have both of you back with me, or if I'm excited that the Raptors might actually be able to close this thing out. But I have to go to you first, Dan. How are you feeling, my friend? It's been a couple weeks. Feeling good, Josh. Good to talk to you again. Uh, And and I just wish my Indians could win as many baseball games as my 12U baseball team I coach, and I'd be a lot happier. Sounds like you're having a good year on the baseball diamond. Coach Bauer, Anchukana, not a coach. How are you? (laughs) As one of Dan's Indians, I'm actually doing pretty well, uh, all things considered, although <laughs> the socks are not good, but everything else is, is just fine. Boy, How's we, it going with you? We are on fire to get this thing started. I don't know if you could tell. We're all excited. We're excited to be back together. Uh, we're excited to talk about the NBA Finals to start things off, and I'm not excited at the result of Game 4, but excuse me, uh, game five, but but we do want to talk about what transpired. And obviously the Raptors kind of fought their way back into this one. They always felt like, you know, the crowd was, was into it. It always felt like they were going to work their way back into it. They do. Kawhi Leonard goes on a 10 0 run by himself. Looks like the Raptors are going to pull this thing out. And then it slips away because Steph Curry and Clay Thompson decided an opportune time to hit some shots. They tried to give it away. And uh, the Raptors just could not close it out in those last 15 seconds. Dan, I, I know you were watching this game. What were your thoughts as the way things transpired in these last three minutes? Just baffling that Kawhi doesn't take more of a key role. I mean, it's reminiscent to a lot of finals games we talked about where LeBron just passes up on the bat on the last shot or the crucial shot, right? I mean, uh, you know, let Lowry take the last one instead of of taking Kawhi taking over or drawing up a play or doing something, right? It's just, it's eerily similar to your superstar shrinking when you need them the most. Uh, and it, I was getting flashbacks to all those times we've talked about, uh, you know, we've recorded shows after a big Cavs loss when we're sitting there screaming of why, why your superstar doesn't take over. And that's just how it felt. It, it almost felt inevitable. Even if I wasn't watching, I could have told just from your text alone, Josh, what was transpiring. <laughs> I could feel the frustration through the group text. And it's, you know, you hope if you're a Raptors fan, it's just not one of those you missed your shot to to slay the giant and all of a sudden, you know, momentum shifts and and they end up on the other side of a 3-1 loss uh, than they did the first time in Cleveland. So uh, if you're a Raptors fan, you cross your fingers and hope you just didn't let these guys back into a series you should have wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's safe to say we we have a series again when it looked like it could have been over. I mean, Kawhi did look a little bit complacent earlier in the game. Then, like I said, it looked like he had that killer instinct, you know, that 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 he was taking over. Like I said, with that big run to pull them back out in front, 
And, and you talked about that last play. I mean, Kawhi was smothered uh, defensively. I don't remember who double-teamed him, but he, he was smothered right when he got the ball past half court. And I just feel like, you know, I feel like there could have been a better play drawn up because you have to assume when Kawhi is, is, is having as good of a last few minutes as he had, you know, he was making ridiculous shots that they're going to double-team you for that last 15-second possession. And they could have had a better play there, aren't you? Could they not have? I mean, I know... Gasol, you know, sets the screen to get him the ball, and then Gasol doesn't really do much of anything. He gets that pass and throws it to Kyle Lowry, but I just feel like they kind of all stood around and expected Kawhi to take that last shot, even though he was double-teamed. Totally. I mean, at the end, I don't think they had a timeout, though. I think Nick Nurse was basically just like, go get it, Um, you know, and and, I mean, uh, you know, Cousins turns the ball over at the end um, on the oh he has the offensive foul I guess they did have time because they they looked at that but it was just a wild series of events that ended that game and ultimately you know I I did totally think at that point that Steph misses a three with about three three and a half minutes left that they were done and it seems so you know say what you want about the Warriors but generally they don't blow plays down the stretch like they did in this game. I mean, they make those two threes or three threes, I'm sorry, with Clay and stuff. but I thought they did a lot of dumb stuff and, you know, I don't want to say the Raptors choked it away because I do think the Warriors kind of snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat, but they you know, both teams at the very end, really, I thought, were not playing at their optimum level where in the first quarter, they were, those two teams are playing the best we've seen them in the entire series, which I, I, I'm hoping is a good harbinger of things to come in the, in the next round or in the next game. But without Durant, I mean, this series takes on a very different complexion. And I just, I'm, I'm anxious to see how this goes. Like if the Warriors are able to capitalize and use that as sort of a galvanizing moment for them, or if it's all going to go, you know, like that's their excuse and they're just going to tank it here. I, I really have no idea which way it's going to go in game six. All right, so none of us know how it's going to go, but we're in the business of making predictions and generally being wrong, unless you're Dan picking the Pelicans to win a series against, was it, Portland? Um, but I'm going with whatever Dan goes with, for the record. So. Fair enough, so let's let's let Anshu go first. Oh, damn it. All right, well... <laughs> Who wins in how many I, games? This is a weird thing, right? That this series, what, four straight road teams have won now? I mean, it's never happened before, or it's maybe happened once in the finals. And, and I mean, it's the home court advantage has just been completely out the window. I get the feeling right now that the Raptors are the better team. I thought that the Warriors laid it all out there. They shoot 45% from three as a team, including three of three with Durant. They're not going to have that next game. Um, you know, Kerr has two days to try to figure something out, something that he hasn't been able to find um, this series. And, I mean, if you try to add up, it just calculus-wise, what what do the Warriors have to do? They have to score 110 points without, you know, without Kevin Durant, probably without Kevon Looney. And, you know, the way that the Raptors are playing defense, it's hard for me to imagine that the Warriors are going to be able to do that Aside from Curry and Thompson, they're going to need Draymond to have a monster game the way that he had in Houston and the way that he hasn't looked this entire series on the offensive end. So I'm taking the Raptors. I think that they go and they do it in Oracle's final hurrah. Wow. Dan, tell me otherwise. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm still going to go Raptors in this one. There's just there's no way with how well the Raptors are playing, they're going to lose three straight games. You think in game six they win it? they, 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 They close out the series in Oracle as well? 
Or you're just saying, no, you're saying I, it's I seven. Too. I think it's going to go seven. Yeah, I mean, um, the home court advantage, I know, as you mentioned it, is, is, hasn't played as big of a role. But um, I, I think they're going to. I think it's still going to take seven. I mean, this this Warriors team is still no slouch, uh, but to to overcome a three one lead or deficit, I should say. I mean, you need absolute monster games from all your superstars, and obviously Kevin Durant uh, is not going to be there to, to give that to him. And the chance of of Draymond coming out and just having two monster games to go along with some monster games from Steph, I just I can't fathom that they're going to have enough. This team is not. Uh, generally been one that is winning a lot of games by having seven, eight guys getting double, double digits, mm-hmm. right? That's what we've talked about all along is this Raptors team can go seven, eight guys score double digits, but that's not the Warriors and, and they're going to need superstar performances and they're down their biggest one. So uh, I still think the Raptors pull us off, but it'll take seven. You gave me an opportunity to troll the Warriors for blowing a three, one lead. And I chose to pass on it. Because I feel like I feel like I'm gonna will it into existence that they make amends on that. So I'm you know three different outcomes, three different possible outcomes that could happen here. I'm gonna take the third of those outcomes and I'm gonna say the Warriors win this in seven, just because I'm always wow. wrong. And I feel like if I if I will it into existence, there's it's just not gonna happen. So I'm I'm telling everybody I know I'm rooting for the Warriors. I want them to win Game Six, and then I want them to win it in Game Seven and hoist that trophy again, so that it just doesn't happen. That's 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 my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But I really believe, though, that if they can win this game in Oracle, I just I feel like Toronto. They just have not been in this situation before. The Warriors have been there before. If they get momentum going, obviously to win one without Durant was like like Gonchu said. You know, you steal a victory from the jaws of defeat. I, I I just feel like if they can get one at home in front of that home crowd at Oracle for the last time. To come back to Toronto and put all that pressure on Toronto after they had it three to one, like you mentioned, Dan, I, I truly believe that if it goes seven, that this series is over and Golden State's going to win it in a blowout fashion in Game Seven. But I can't that, even imagine game, what a Game Seven would look like. That would be so intense. Like I just can't even wrap my head around it. I agree, but I, I really do think that again. I just I just think that the the guys who are going to would rise up in that situation are going to win it now. On the other side of that, I truly believe that Toronto is going to be the better team in Game 6 and that they should win it on the road. But that's a loud <laughs> arena. It's one of the louder arenas in the, in the, in the country, I guess in the league, I should say, because the other, the other arena in this series <laughs> right. is not in the country. But, <laughs> Good catch. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but I, I, I'm going to stick to, my, stick to my original story, and I'm going to say Warriors in 7. All right. We'll see. I, I, yeah, that would be... This would be an all-time joke to beat that, to lose to that team without their best, you know, second best player, best player, whatever you, whatever, however you think of it. But I would, I would be surprised. I just think that all the, the Raptors just need three guys to play well. They didn't get three good performances in that last game, and I think they'll get it in one, if not both, of these games if that happens. I thought they got three decent performances, but I agree. I mean, I think that you, you could have seen more out of Kyle Lowry in in some of those big moments, but he finishes. Uh, you know, with with 18 points, but he just didn't shoot the ball well from three. He did hit one big clutch three down the stretch, but he didn't shoot it well from three most of the game. Siakam had some big plays, but he was six of 15. So yeah, I, I agree. I think there could have been bigger moments from some of the role players, and we've talked about that being the difference throughout this series. Marcus All chips in with 17 and H, which is a, a solid game, but there just he wasn't was awesome. a second superstar. And, and Kawhi took a while to get it going, and he he wasn't as effective as we've seen him either. He was only 9 of 24 in this game. He only had a plus one on the plus minus side. Um, you know, you expect more out of your superstar, and he, he did turn it on when it mattered, but 
that last like like we said that last possession just did not go well for the Raptors. So I think you're going to need to see a big game out of a lot of the role players. To your point, aren't you? All right, real quick, we alluded to the injury with Kevin Durant, but I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on a couple things with Durant. First one is, do you think he'll be healthy enough to play game one? My guess is probably not, but where does he play next year? What do you guys, what are your, what, what, what's your gut telling you, aren't you? My gut is telling me that he is going to pick up his option with Golden State, although you gave me some info I didn't know in our last show about that possibly being his last chance saloon, basically. Um, you know, he's going to have no shortage of max offers and either way he's, it's, you got to think of it as a red shirt. I think that he comes back probably right around when the playoffs start at his team, whatever his team is, makes the playoffs. And, you know, at that point, he's going to be a shell of himself. Um, I just, I don't think that he, he will be the player that he'll be in 21, 22, I guess that would be the season. Right. Um, but, or 2020, 2021, but I, I mean, I think that he stays with the Warriors for one more year and then they ride it out and they figure out if he's going to leave or not. I, I just don't know that he's going to commit to going to the Knicks or the or the Nets at this point. Dan, do you think those are the other two suitors? Do you think it's either Golden State or do you, or the other the New York teams on the other side of the country? I mean, I don't necessarily think those are the only options. Uh, the, the news of you know some of these Kyrie rumors and signing with Rock Nation and you know, does he want to potentially try to get a reunion with uh, LeBron or with KD or 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 where some of that, those guys go? So, I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, I don't rule out. I know it sounds a little crazy, but I don't rule out a a Lakers move or or something to that effect. Oh, man. So, I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, if you want to win, I mean, it's not crazy to say I'll go do it uh, with the Lakers and and LeBron, and if especially Kyrie. Um, work something to get over there too. Uh, so I'm gonna go with if I was if I was betting odds on it, um, you know, and there was some some long odds on the Lakers, I would take that one. I think. Yeah, I, I was leaning that direction initially. You know, kind of thinking that way a, a lot during the season with Kyrie and LeBron making amends and kind of getting back to being buddy buddy again. But just so many of the things that have come out in recent days about New York and and even Brooklyn making kind of a late push to get. Kyrie and possibly even Kevin Durant when they have a pretty solid young roster there and and we you know we, we've we talked about uh, the connections with with Jay Z and Rock uh, Nation but I, I I think that it it does end up being one of the New York teams if he doesn't stay in Golden State I did read that today that it, that for Durant it, it's the last option to pick up or his last resort to pick up the option in Golden State. Um, because I think he does want a max deal, especially I'm, I'm sure this injury doesn't doesn't help that case to stay in Golden State, especially if there are teams willing to pay him a max deal. I mean, he's getting to a point in his career where that probably does make sense to, to pick somewhere and be there long term. He got the championships. He went and chased. Now go make something and create it on your own. I don't think he wants to be a second fiddle guy to Steph Curry anymore. And, and as much as he wants to be the guy in Golden State and he was a finals MVP, that's still Steph's team and it always will be as long as he's there. So I think, I think Durant leaves. <laughs> I think it's going to depend on what the deals look like and who's willing to pay him. And if he can make a team out of wherever he ends up going, I, I think that's the move. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I just don't know. Like, I think if he could pick his spot and have a really fun, like second fiddle, that makes sense. But is Kyrie really that dude? Like, I, I mean, I like, no. I, I would, I think that he's more likely to go to New York and then just figure out maybe another piece. I, I don't even know that Kyrie is necessarily like 
you know, a huge feather in his cap. I know he's going to be 32 years old when he comes back two years from now um, and plays a full season. So, you know, he wants to go to a ready-made contender, but um, I don't, I just don't, I don't know if Kyrie's that guy. I don't know. I don't think that they have any other link aside from rock nation, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be a super fascinating situation. And remember, he can pick up that $31.5 million option Golden State owes him and then just figure this all out again next offseason. And at that point, I doubt there's going to be any shortage of suitors. Yeah, I think that's fair. But if he stays healthy, right? I mean, if you can get a max deal now after rupturing your Achilles tendon, take the money. I mean, when you have an injury that's that significant at at this point in your career, I mean, what's, what's Durant, 28, 29? 30. He's 30, so, so even yeah. worse. So that, I mean, yeah. that's what, that's what <laughs> I think is going to happen, but, uh, you know, I've been wrong many times before. Hopefully I'm wrong on my finals pick. Uh, but we did we did want to talk about some other news that came out in the last couple of days, and that's around Dan's favorite show from a year ago, and that's HBO's Hard Knocks. And we all love the NFL just so much. Uh, you know, I don't love it on Sundays as much as I have in years past, but – but Hard Knocks kind of gets us ramped up during during training camp, and the Oakland Raiders are going to be the team that will be featured on Hard Knocks. Dan, I've got to ask you, as a fan of the team who was on the most recent iteration, can the Oakland Raiders live up to what the Cleveland Browns set as such an excellent precedent? I mean, I don't think the, dysfunc- the dysfunction over there right now has got to be entertaining to watch. So from, from that perspective, you're going to have – obviously – Gruden is a character on his own, and you could write a, an NFL show around him. Uh, he's used to, to being around the cameras, and and I'm sure part of him is going to want to make it kind of fun, and then the football guy part of him is going to want to say, you know, screw these cameras. I just want to, you know, get back to to coaching and to, you know, ignore the, the hype around it. So I'm sure he doesn't necessarily love it, even though he's going to make it kind of fun. I'm sure we're going to get some absolutely great sound bites out of it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be quite as quotable as some of the, the Browns ones, but it should be fun. And it's definitely going to be better than the, you know, the past couple seasons before the Browns ones, when we just had uh, just lame season after lame season there for a couple of years. So I'm excited. Cinco in Cincinnati. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm excited. It should be fun. Uh, but you know, I should probably give a more biased opinion since uh, his team seems never be up for hard knocks. Although, you know, yeah, I don't know. Or, next season, it might I, be. I love it though. Might be the Packers. As a football guy, I love the fact that I would love it if my team had never been on hard knocks. Yes, as a Bengals fan, it was kind of fun to get in, you know, and see in the weeds a little bit what happens, and you know, see some guys get cut and cry, and like all that stuff is cool because you don't get to see, you don't get that kind of access. And this show's been going on for thirteen years, and it's given us that access that we've never had as fans. So I think from that perspective, it is really fun. But if I'm a Packers fan, I'm not mad that Aaron Rodgers would never want to be on Hard Knocks. I, I probably would love that as a fan. He'd rather be on Game of Thrones. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I no, I they'll never be on it because they just they'll they'll always turn it down until they're forced to. And I think next year, assuming they don't make the playoffs, they'll actually be a team that would have to if the NFL chooses them. But there are teams like the Raiders that like actively want it, you know, like, I mean, they have Mayock and Gruden and, you know, and maybe they don't really want Mayock kick fired all those guys. So maybe he doesn't want it, but um, you know, I I mean, Antonio Brown, like for sure, like you said, I, he definitely wants to be on that. Richie, Richie incognito is out there. Derek Carr is, you know, 
that dude, he loves, I mean, he's, he's a really, you know, ballsy performer, but he's, you know, he's good with that stuff. He's good with the camera on him. Um, it's an interesting team because they had three first round picks with Colin Farrell and Josh Jacobs. And, um, you know, they've got, uh, Jonathan Abram, who's going to start at safety. I mean, there are a lot of interesting pieces on this team. I think as like a neutral observer, it's probably a somewhat, it's a pretty good choice. And I mean, with Gruden, you know, these guys have been all around the TV. It's not going to feel like hard knocks is a thing because, Mayock and Gruden have been on our TVs on the in the mainstream for so much of, of the last decade that I just feel like it's not going to seem it's not going to be like what it was with the Browns and with other teams where and Antonio Brown's all over plastered all over our TV all the time too. So I feel like we're living hard knocks right now and we're just going to get more of it here in uh, this coming August. Over under five Vontez Burfik concussions captured on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! More arrests, more arrests or concussions? Has he been arrested? Uh, yeah, he has. He has you, to. Well, you right? want him to be uh, easy. <laughs> Watch what you say. All right, we'll Boy. move on. We'll move on from hard knocks because Dan had to make it weird. But let's talk baseball, and that's Dan's favorite topic <laughs> to touch on. So let's let's kind of get people up to speed on some of the things that that have that have recently took place. I mean, we talked about the Kimbrel. And the Keuchel signings from a week ago. It sounds like Keuchel's going to make one more minor league start and then hit the majors. Kimbrel's been working on some bullpen sessions. Then he should make a small, short minor league stint and then come up and play with the Cubs and the big boys and be in their closer role. Uh, but there's been some other call-ups. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, one of the big ones in Houston, who is, I think, homered, is it two out of his first two games up, aren't you? Yeah. Am I right about that? Uh, so that was That's a big right. one. And some other youngsters that are going to be called up, one of them out in Cleveland. Dan, remind me of your buddy's name out there. Uh, I would be shocked if Bobby Bradley doesn't make an appearance on the Indians roster at some point after he will no longer be a Super 2. Okay, so with that, I want to pose the question to both of you guys, as fans of teams that are – Kind of in in the middling sta- middling yeah. stage of, of where they maybe hope to be this season. Probably the Sox may be performing a little bit above it. But if you're a if you're a team a fan of a guy like you know we saw with Eloy Jimenez last year and we really wanted him to get called up, they chose to wait. His first at bat as a major league baseball player was opening day. At this point in the season, what do you as fans want to see? And then what's the right move if you're a GM or, or a, a, an owner or a coach or manager of a team? I guess we'll start with – we'll let Anshu start. Okay. Well, so you're talking about for the White Sox specifically or just like – Just in general. If you, yeah, sort of, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, so if the White Sox were, you know, five or six games better, they would – in my mind, they have to call it Dylan Cease. But because they aren't, because they are what they are, they're 32 and 34 and, and honestly kind of a lucky 32 and 34 – if they were if they were like thirty six and thirty or something, I I would want Cease up. They need badly need starting rotation help. There is no way you can tell me that Dylan Cease isn't one of their five best pitchers in their organization right now as a starter. But because of his super two status that Dan alluded to, because the White Sox have no real incentive to bring him up because it's means to a, a an, an end that won't really matter this year. Um, you know it makes more sense to keep him for that year that will matter five or six, seven years down the line when you have that year of control. It sucks because that's how baseball is, but it is how it is. And it, you just have to use it. You have to manipulate the system to play in your favor. So from, from a White Sox fan perspective and, you know, a, that's the same perspective that a lot of these teams have 
um, you know, I think that you just kind of have to ride that out, unfortunately. And for you, Dan, I mean, obviously the Indians have had some serious injury issues. I mean, is it something like an injury that needs to bring these, these situations to light and, and kind of be the, the catalyst for these call-ups? Or are you just, you know, when you're, when you're near 500, are you just willing as a fan or as a GM, uh, from whichever perspective, to, to, to make, make those, those moves to kind of bring people up maybe a little bit sooner than you would have hoped if you were 10 games above 500, for example? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what you're expecting out of these minor leaguers. If you if you know for sure that one of these guys is going to be a surefire everyday starter, you know you want him as Auntie said in the lineup five, six, seven years from now, right? You don't call him up, but I'll use you know Bobby Bradley as a case, and you can apply this to anybody you have on your team. You know he's the Indians' number six prospect, but there's been a lot of talk about whether he can perform at the major league level of whether. He's it's going to translate whether he's going to be able to to handle major league pitching. Um, and so you really don't know. So when you have a, like a little bit of a question mark guy, you know, why not mm-hmm. call him up at this point and see what he's got, see if it can translate. Um, and if it's not looking like it is, then, you know, going into the offseason, whether you are need to add a piece or whether you have that piece there. So, you know, if, if you have point. a surefire, if you have a surefire prospect, no, keep him down there. Um, unless you, unless you think he can contribute at playoff time. And if you have a guy there who, you know, is good, is promising, but you're not really sure if it's going to work at a major league level, uh, why not call him up and and see whether it it can, or it's not going to work. That's exactly what happened with Jose Ramirez, by the way, Jose Ramirez was like a fringy prospect, um, kind of like Bradley, like a fifth or sixth, I think in their system, he comes up. He was just keeping the seat warm for, you know, for Lindor. And then suddenly he becomes a cornerstone of that franchise. And I think it's a great point. There is a huge distinction between the cream of the crop prospects and kind of like the white or red chips. So good call, Dan. And that was our latest weekly iteration of being an MLB GM with professors Kana and Bauer as Josh Dunn, (laughs) the student, sits back and listens and learns. I love it, guys. Always learn a bit or two. from you guys when we talk baseball. So uh, real quick, we did want to bring the mood down a little bit. Uh, David Ortiz was shot uh, while he was in the Dominican Republic. He is now in stable condition. Uh, But some news surfaced today that the suspect in the Ortiz shooting was offered uh, $7,800 to go out and and shoot him. So this is a little weird. I didn't know this was a hitman bounty situation, but uh, the tables have turned in this story. Any thoughts here, guys, on on this Ortiz story? First of all, just the shooting that happened in general. Obviously, b- very surprising news. And then, uh, you know, the news that surfaced here today, Dan. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. As as weird or scary as it sounds, uh, you know, how a guy like David Ortiz uh, is going to get gunned down in arguably the most baseball crazed uh, country on the planet. Right. It's not like you didn't know it was David Ortiz. I mean, I just can't fathom uh, that you wouldn't know who it was. And so it, it's it wouldn't make sense to be random. Right. I mean, initially it was, you know, shot in a robbery or, or shot with, uh, you know, weird situation gone awry. But I mean, logically, none of that ever made sense. And so the hit itself makes makes no more sense just baffled as to what he could have done or, or what someone else thought he did or, uh, or, or what, if, you know, somebody else mis- felt it was uh, necessary to, to gun him down. So, I mean, that part is going to be the, the interesting part of what comes happen. 
you know, obviously scary situation and, and a guy who for anybody in this generation you, you look to as, as one of the guys who helped, you know, really bring back, uh, you know, he was kind of the next wave after the McGuire Sosa bring back baseball. I think David Ortiz is in conversation for kind of that next round of guys who really brought it back, made it popular, you know, you know, post, uh, you know, I think everyone who's a sports fan is going to remember a lot of his quotes and his play post Boston Marathon bombing, and uh, you know, such an iconic guy in in, in the game and in this generation. Uh, I think this one, this is one of those ones that hits home uh, or, or hits you, you know, in a right in the feels whether you're a Red Sox fan or not. Yeah, I mean, outside of the New York Yankees fan base, I would say he was one of the more likable players during that generation as well. Uh, and I blame I blame the headline writers for me saying $7,800 because that's just the way it was written, aren't you? But what are your thoughts here on this story as we close things out? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, not to make light of a, an unfortunate situation, but the thing that caught my eye about this is this guy is so universally loved. I mean, minus Yankee fans, probably that he, of course, he's a he's a conquering hero. He comes back to the Dominican, one of the most violent countries in the world, um, and it goes with no security. I mean, he rolls through there, assuming that because of his celebrity, because of the amount that he has poured back into the various communities in that country, that he is going to be able to, you know have carte blanche in the streets. And, and the fact is that, you know, he, he just wasn't. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes we probably take for granted some of our, our stars and, you know, some of the really great things that some of these people do, but there are bad people everywhere. So, um, you know, just unfortunate for Ortiz and hopefully he spends more of his time in either safer areas with more security or, uh, you know, stateside, honestly. Yeah. The bad people aren't just in Pittsburgh. I love that. Right. <laughs> all right let's get to oh by the way we went a little longer than we thought we would as we always do when it's the three of us but uh, dan i have a sneaking suspicion as to what yours is going to be here so i'll let you lead off well speaking of uh trashy fan bases the st louis blues uh have won their first <laughs> stanley cup in france we just have no <laughs> listeners left after this show <laughs> no. we're gonna just kill everybody <laughs> Be, beating the Boston Bruins uh four to one uh in game seven there. Thank so God. uh shout out to shout out to the St. Louis Blues finally getting over that hump. Congratulations. You finally make it out of the first uh or second round of a playoff uh and then get over the big hump uh and overtake Boston. So um big, big night in St. Louis. I know we have at least a friend or two who is excited about this one. I love it. Let's let's call your fan base trashy and then congratulate you on winning a Stanley <laughs> Cup. That is phenomenal. I love it. We are true journalists on this show. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go next and then let Anshu close things out. I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about Anthony Davis. So a lot of rumors been swirling around since the trade deadline last year about where Anthony Davis is going to end up. <laughs> Uh, the news surfaced yesterday that Anthony Davis would not sign a long-term deal with Boston and that it would be nothing more than a one-year rental if he were traded there. Uh, now it's being talked about quite quite widely that it could be L.A. that he ends up in, uh, but it sounds like the Lakers do not want to part ways with Kyle Kuzma. It would have to be a deal centered around Brandon Ingram and potentially that first-round draft pick that the Lakers have there in the top five. Uh, so Anthony Davis potentially teaming up with LeBron James next year, 
definitely a storyline we want to keep track of, just like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, so on brand for me as well, Dan, I'm going to talk a little NBA. And then, uh, Anshu, let's hear your Packers story. <laughs> no Packers story, but it's going to be Number one is our girls, the U.S. women's soccer team, rolls out to a 13 nothing win over Thailand to start this thing, um, the Women's World Cup, absolutely insane performance, uh, absurdly good. Um, they are they are incredible, uh, definitely worth the watch. Obviously, it won't matter until they play uh, France, and, but, you know, this is just an historically good team, and they put our men to shame. So, impressive start out of the U.S. women, uh, you know, on the soccer pitch. And then the second one is the U.S. Open this weekend, Pebble Beach. I've got Love Tiger. Tennis. Who do you guys have? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stick with ricky i'm gonna stick with ricky i'm not gonna go away from from what i said on uh fantasy hour i'm gonna stick with ricky just until he wins a major i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend like i never called it until the time he did uh so i'm gonna stick with ricky and probably be wrong again what do you have dan um i'll go i'll go with you i'll support you we always battle on this show um so i'm gonna say you're right and uh i'll i'll do two votes for you all right, I like that. Also, Justin Verlander he, had 15 he's got strikeouts. Done to win. <laughs> I love it. This is a fun show, guys. Uh, anything you guys wanted to, to add before we uh, get into the out, next hour of the show? <laughs> no, All right. For Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>